Long Beach Sermons, visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Hello, good morning, friends. Is this, this working okay? Y'all can hear me? Oh, I love some of the songs we sing in church. They're so beautiful. That was so beautiful. All right, welcome. Welcome to Friends on Zoom. Um, you have found yourself this morning at City Church, and we are a radically welcoming community on a journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And what that means this morning is that you are very welcome here. Um, my name is Emma. My pronouns are she, her. And before we get started, we're going to pray together for our kids. So if you would join me in pray. Holy One, we pray this morning for the smallest members of our church family. And we welcome, we have uh, some new babies in our church family also. Welcome to this weird and wild world. May you feel very loved already. And for the older kids, kids that have already been with us, older kids that are here for the first time, you are also very, very welcome. We pray that you feel loved, that you feel safe, that you can enjoy and participate in so many interesting things in God's work in this world. But in all of that enjoyment and participation, we pray that you know you don't need to earn God's love and that you are called good and wanted and beloved already by the one who made you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, kids, anyone under about 10, um, you're welcome to come out with us. We have games, we have crafts, we have a playground. Let's go. Uh. Uh, welcome, friends. My name is Bill White. My pronouns are he, him, and it is great to be with you. I'm one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's a good, it's a good Sunday. So uh, we are wrapping up a sermon series right now. We've spent all fall in the book of Hebrews. Uh, the book of Hebrews is one of those random letters in the New Testament. It's so random, they don't even know who wrote it. Uh, and so they called it the letter to the Hebrews because it was largely to a Jewish uh, population. And since we don't actually know who wrote it, um, and kind of throughout history, when, whenever we've, particularly me as a preacher, have talked about people in the, the Bible writing things, we've always used the pronoun he and him. Like, oh, so the author, he wrote Hebrews because this, that, and the other. But we don't know that the author of Hebrews was a he. And we know a lot of the other books, and those are written by a lot of he's. So we're, we're calling the author of Hebrews a woman. And so we're using she pronouns, just for those who are new today. It's your first time. So the, the author of the book of Hebrews, when she wrote this book, she was thinking particularly about people coming out of a Jewish background and trying to figure out how to find God in practical ways, in ways that could make sense like you know if you're a school teacher right or if you're retired or if you know you're what, whatever it is that you do you're in you're in sixth grade like how do you actually per 
participate with God in this normal life that we have. And so she's, she's trying to help us think through this. And a lot of times it comes back to Jesus and who Jesus is. And because Jesus is God with us, God in the flesh, that we look to Jesus to get a sense of how to be human and how to have a human, normal person relationship with the living God through Jesus. And so today we're wrapping up that sermon series. We're in the very last chapter of the book of Hebrews. And so if you would welcome our friend Gabe Mockatrow as he's going to read scripture for us today. Come on down. Gabe is also one of our ushers. If you ever wanted to be an usher, you could let Byron know. Byron, wave your hand. Byron has, uh, stand up, Byron. Oh, we need to, we're, Byron, and uh, stand up. And look, look, look at his shirt, friends. He wore this. Behind every great pastor is an awesome congregation. <laughs> he wore that to church today. I love that. That's incredible. Um, why don't you stand uh, in honor of God and God's word as it's read today? Accent? No accent? No, no, no accent. Okay. I think it would just, let's just go straight. Okay. <laughs> Be content with what you have. People of God, this is the word of God. You may be seated. <laughs> he nailed that thing, didn't he? That was great. He, he gave me a couple of accent options, and I just, I decided not to choose any of those today. So, um, Be content with what you have. This book is is drawing to a conclusion, and and the author's inviting us into the very spiritual and very practical practice of contentment. Appreciating what you've got, not just always trying to get, get, get more. Um, a long time ago, there was this company called General Motors. It's still around today. And they had a division because they realized they wanted to sell more cars than the other people. And this is back, you know, when uh, cars were almost like a horse and buggy. And so they, they created this, um, this division. They called it their research division. And their research division came up with a plan and this is what uh, this is sort of the summary of the plan of their research division: the organized creation of dissatisfaction. Right? That that's called marketing. Right? This idea that we want to intentionally help people not be content, so that they'll buy more of our cars. Right, and I remember seeing like ten years ago there was there was some research about um, oh this uh, like kids these days in the course of one year they see one hundred thousand ads, and that was before smartphones, and now it's like every day they see one hundred thousand ads, right? I mean, and every ad is designed to help us be discontent, and knowing that that product that whatever it is that will save you that will solve all your 
your internal desires. And you know, I just want to say, like, this is uh, this is the world we live in, and there's a lot of hungers, wants, needs. And it's hard to tease them out for all this stuff that's inside of me and you. And so how do we do that? How do we figure out what's a real need and what's just a want? How do we do this dance of, of receiving what we have with gratitude and yet still trying to be a better person or maybe try to provide for our family so that, you know, we could have a vacation or, a, or a, you know, an apartment where, you know, each kid could have their own room or whatever it is. I'm not going to answer this for you today. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of walk alongside you. And I realize I'm preaching to myself today as much as I am to you. Um, so sorry that I don't have all the answers. Um, if you've been around City Church very long, you probably didn't come for the answers anyway. Um, we're more of a question church than an answer church. Um, and so I, I saw something this week that really made me think about this. And it made me think about me. Maybe it'll make you think about you. And how we relate to God when it comes to our desires and our needs. I was up, um, I volunteer once a month at a medical clinic on Skid Row, and they have a chapel, and there's places for people to post prayer requests. And so I prayed with a few patients and talked with a few staff, and, and so I was spending some time in the chapel, and I was praying through some of the written prayer requests from various patients. And uh, so I, I, came upon, I came upon this one. Um, and it says, I need to be anointed today. I will be patient. And I thought, man, that's a great, I, I love that. Like, God, I, I need this and I'm committing to this. And so the, the word patient, I, our family, we choose words for the year, every year. Um, and my word for this year is, is patience. And so I was, I was resonating, I was praying for this person, but there was, there's more to this prayer request. Um, and so let me, let me show you, there's a little bit more. So it says, you know, I need to be anointed today. I will be patient. So give me what the F I need. And then, I'm so sorry, God. Right there, it's like there's this tension, right? Where it's like, I will be patient, but give it to me now. And they're like, oh, oh I used a bad word. I'm sorry. Right? And there's some self-awareness. And I thought, man, I really like this prayer request now. I mean, this is, this is me. And I'll be honest, this is you. This is how we pray, if, if we're honest. And it's not a bad prayer. It's direct. And there's a, what happens is there's a progression it's, it's a three-point progression, so I'm, I'm afraid there's more. <laughs> wait, wait for it, though. Wait for it. We're, this is a real prayer. You know, I, I'm going to be patient. You know, help me. Anoint me. And then here's like, oh, man, but I really am not content. 
give me what I really need. And then there's a layer beneath that. There's sort of the, there's the dark side in each of us. And in, and I think if we're truly being honest in prayer, it shows up, and it did. This is what it said. So I need to be anointed today. I will be patient, so give me what the I need. I'm so sorry, God, amen. I said, give me what you owe me, B, amen. A little spicy, this one, a little spicy. But there's a sense in which I feel like I am owed certain things. And part of that is because of my privilege, right? My, my gender, my skin color, right? These sorts of things. But part of it is just because I'm human. And I think that God and most other people actually exist to serve me. And so I want to suggest this actually is not a bad prayer. This is a very honest prayer. And I think if we look deep within, we can see the kind of honest, I mean, we, we can see those exact things in us. That the, the discontentment is, it might be sown by the marketing companies. But boy, it has been within us and will be within us forever. And it's actually better when we own it. Uh, last night, my wife and I, we were taking a walk around the, the neighborhood. And uh, we try to pray for each other on, uh, to spend some time praying for each other on Saturday nights. And we'd had a long conversation. And we'd ask each other, what, what do you want to be prayed for? And, and I said, well, great, let's pray. And she she didn't used to do this but she's she's grown i'm not i'm not sure i have but she has which is good she said hey um before we pray i i just i want to ask you something are you are you mad because it seems like some of the things you've shared it seems like there's sort of an undercurrent um, and I, I could be reading you wrong, but I thought it might be helpful um, before we pray to, to see if there's something there. And I'm like, I, I pause and I'm like, huh. This is one, one, one of my problems. Some of you don't have this problem, some of you do. Like, I don't know what's actually going on in here. Um, and it's really embarrassing when other people do, and often they know more than what I know. And so they, she points out like, hey, I wonder if you're mad. And I was like, huh. And I pinpointed three points in our conversation when she brought up this, it made me mad. And when, when I said this, I didn't realize from early in the week that I was mad. And when I shared my prayer request, it was actually because I was angry about XYZ. Apparently, I'm not the only one who's angry, and that's fine. Um, and it was actually this gift to me that she gave to say, what if instead of just 
coming into prayer with the, the nice, hey, I'm going to be patient, God, anoint me today. What if we came in with more vulnerability and didn't just pray the, the pretty prayers, but prayed the prayers of true discontent and to own those so that we could actually be present to God as we are. And what actually happened last night, so we prayed for each other, and it was a great prayer. It wasn't particularly long or fancy, but it was very, it was way more honest than I would have been otherwise. And some of my discontentment was with God, and some of it was with Katie. And we had a lovely conversation afterwards where I got to thank her, and she said, oh, I'm so glad you shared, even though some of my discontent was with her. And as strange as it is, as we lie down in bed last night, we're both feeling, wait for it, content. Or at least a lot more content. It's a strange journey. I, I don't have this figured out. As you can tell, I'm not particularly good at this. So I'm not trying to be up here as one who's fixed it all. But the invitation is to be content with what you have. And what I have is I, ha I had this week, and on Saturday nights we walk, we walk the neighborhood and we share what we have. This is my week. And we ask each other about how are you doing in our marriage, and we share. It's what, it's what I've got. And this is the only relationship with God that I have. And it ain't perfect. And sometimes it ain't pretty. But it's what I have. And what does it look like to, to look at that and, and be content? Own the discontentment. Owning the discontentment is actually part of the contentment. And I don't think there's any way around that. I, don't th I think if you talk to someone, they, they're just perfectly content all the time. I just don't think they're being honest. And may, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe some of you can come and correct me later. Seriously, I, like, I'm, just, I'm just telling you what, what, what I'm thinking about. Um, so... So with this, one of the things that, that, that the author of Hebrews is trying to say to us, right, in this invitation, like, hey, be content with what you have, is to recognize our limits. Right? We, we have limits, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, we have limits. And what if we learned how to accept those? Instead of pretending or blowing past them and getting exhausted, Right, come on, holiday's coming. You, you, you know, this is, this is us, right? Financially, we have limits. A lot of us are going to be facing that over the next six weeks as we're tempted to spend more and more. What does it look like for us to, to embrace our limits with a deep spirituality? It says, hey, I'm content with what I have. I'm content with, with the body I have. And sure, I want it to be healthy, and it doesn't mean I can't try to be healthier. But I'm not going to fight against my physical limits that I need sleep, and I need exercise, and these sorts of things. What does it look like to face our limits, our, our weaknesses, uh, these sorts of things? I, I, I really think that Jesus is here inviting us into this kind of life, this kind of spirituality, a very human spirituality. He says, look, 
Look at the situation you're in now. Look at your, your, your mental health condition. Look at your medical situation. Look at your finances. What does it look like to, to hold those, be content? Obviously still trying to grow, change, be healthier. But not fighting. Not angry so much. I had a phone call this week um, that, that sort of brought this to mind. I was feeling, ironically, particularly discontent about this sermon. <laughs> and uh, I had a phone call with a friend who uh, pastors a church that's kind of a long ways from here. So you don't, you don't know this person. I'll, I'll call him Bobby. And I was talking with Bobby, and... Uh, and Bobby was talking about the, the sermons that he gives and that he's, he's figured out the seven ways that the Holy Spirit works. And he's figured out the, yeah, and, 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 and Bobby has a lot of confidence. And when Bobby speaks, it's always, well, God has a word for my children and God has a word for my church. And, and Bobby's actually a really good human. I really like Bobby. There's a lot of gentleness and care. Um, but it didn't make me feel any more content with my sermon. Because I don't know the seven ways that the Holy Spirit always works. And I didn't have a three-point message. And, and I was, I'm like, okay. I, and I thought, you know, I'm not sure Bobby's confidence and contentment is warranted. Because I had an interaction recently um, with, with Bobby's kids. Bobby doesn't know this, but both of Bobby's kids are gay. And there's a reason they talk to me and not to Bobby. And I'm not saying I'm a great conversation partner. Our conversations were very short. Um, but there, there was real pain. And one of them was terrified, uh, one, one of the kids, about talking about this. And, and these are adult. These are adults talking to Bobby. These are not teenagers. And I thought, you know, I don't. And, and in the, in the, literally in the conversation this week with Bobby, Bobby was saying, hey, these are the things that God has told me to tell my kids. And, and I'm not saying that, that God doesn't give us words to share with our kids and and the things that Bobby was saying, they weren't bad things. But I was just, I don't know. So I stand before you as someone who's struggling, like, hey, what am I supposed to tell you to do? I can tell you what the author of Hebrews says, which is be content with what you have. And that might, might require a, a level of authenticity in your family that allows people to be who they are. Say, I'm, I'm content with the children I have. Right? That, that's not always easy. I mean, unless, unless your daughter's like my daughter. And then obviously, it's a breeze. Hey, sunshine. Nice to have you in town again. Um, but this is the journey, right? 
Interesting. So what happens with, with the, the author, she, she writes this short little line, right? And it's tied into this, this whole book that she's been writing to these folks to, to help them understand. And, and this, is, this is how the, the verse continues. She writes this, be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. God's with you. It's going to be okay. Yeah, it may be really hard. And, and she's written about all kinds of things at this point. Death and suffering and pain. Like the, She's not ignoring reality. But she's saying, you're not alone. You are not alone. And, you know, she's writing an, an, an audience that's, that's Hebrew. And just, this is just a simple practice that someone recently taught me that was so helpful. They were, they were talking about the, the Hebrew name for God, Yahweh. And that sometimes we've talked about breath prayers, like how to, um, like have a, and, and Brent has led us in a couple of those where you, you breathe in a word and you breathe out a word uh, like joy or rest or whatever, maybe a sentence. Uh, it's a helpful way to kind of center yourself and connect with God. But, but what this person was telling me earlier was that, that God's own name is the first breath prayer. Yah, Yahweh. Yahweh, Yahweh. Right, you hear it? And it's an invitation with every breath to hear these words of Scripture, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I'm as close as your breath. I'm Yahweh, Yahweh. And so I've been trying to do that sometimes. Just stop and just, just do some breathing, just, you know, for a minute. Yahweh. And remember, I'm not alone. It's okay. I can face my anger or my needs, my insecurities, anxiety about the holidays. Okay. Yahweh. And that's a quote, actually, from the book of Deuteronomy when, when she, she quotes, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. It's a, it's a quote from the Hebrew Bible that specifically says, Yahweh said, I'm not going to leave you. I'll be with you. And on top of that, she's, she's been pointing out for the last 12 and a half chapters that Yahweh now not only is this as close as our very breath, every breath, but Yahweh loves us so much that Yahweh became, took on flesh and, and blood and became Jesus of Nazareth and walked this earth to show us I get you. I know. It's hard. It's really hard to be content. And you can do it.
You can do it in the midst of your very real embodied financial life, medical life, mental illness life, crazy weird family for Thanksgiving life. There's a way. There's actually a way. And so just a reminder, some of the some of the brief verses we, we read about Jesus earlier. Um, from chapter 2, Jesus himself suffered. Chapter 4, he was tempted. Chapter 5, he's not unable to empathize with our weaknesses. He's tempted. He was weak. He suffered. I mean, this is like, this is the stuff that Jesus went through. And this is what what we go through in our lives. And there's so much joy and so much beauty and so much goodness. And there'll be a lot of great food this week, I hope, for all of you. What does it look like to face that with contentment by kind of surfacing what's really going on in you and, and embracing the God who is with you now so that you, you can be content? So I wanted to invite up a couple of folks. You know how we like to invite folks from the, um, from the congregation, um, poor souls that are dragged on stage. So if you would welcome up uh, Tiff and her sister Andrea, who are going to share a little bit with us today. Um, so I have known them. I don't know. They've been, they've been around City Church for a little while. And I just, I got to thinking, you know, I, um, I did a funeral this summer. For their mom and i it was just a uh it was a gift i spent time with with the two of them and uh, at the at our coffee shop here wrigley coffee and we just talked about life we talked about mom we laughed a lot heard more stories than i was planning on from tiff about uh, her dance moves um yeah i'm talking about you um and uh and realized you know so literally when i was when i was thinking about uh this today i was thinking oh you know i'd love to have uh, andrea and tiff come and share so uh i just and i and i told them this is what i tell everyone like look we're not looking for the answers i i don't i don't think you have answers you have your story of walking with Jesus. And you get to share that. And so I had a very brief, I had like an eight minute conversation with Andrea. And uh, she said, Go, I don't know, she's somewhere over there. She's your sister. Um, and Andrea, she just said a couple of things. I was like, I knew you were the right people for this. Um, and so I wanted to, to have them come and, and join us here. Excuse me for on Zoom, we're, we're, we're pulling special guests on stage here so come on through friend oh i don't care uh why don't we have tiff go first yeah i don't know do you want to go first i, I hadn't planned out that far okay all right here we go hey thanks for being here yeah and thank you for being here so I've got a, a Tiff actually wrote a little something for us um, and recorded it. And so we will we'll hear from that first. Oh, let's see how this goes. 
I really had a lack of contentment in May when her mom passed away. I have since tried to find happiness in daily small things. I have been listening to inspirational audiobooks. Even though I can read, I have a hard time turning the pages in books or holding a candle and moving pages. Me, from church, recommended a book called The Grief Recovery Handbook. Oh. I read it and it helped a lot. I also listen to podcasts and take our dog out for walks. Both usually help my mood. When I attend church on Sunday, my week always feels better. I also get excited to see the people here who I have been lucky enough to get to know. I especially like going to lunch with them after church. Leaning on my friends and getting together with them regularly always helps when I am feeling down. I like to us this communicator as a journal to vent and get my feelings out when I am mad or sad. I write a lot of emails to my therapist who I see once a month and write messages to my friends and Dandaria sends them for me. Most people look at me and think I must always be sad. I think I surprise them a lot of the time because I do find contentment. I look at all of the things that God has blessed me with. People would probably be surprised to know how much traveling I have done. I know how to laugh, have fun and find joy. I try to see all of the great things that I do have, instead of focusing on the things that I do not have, or cannot do. Even if I did not have a disability, I could still be unhappy if I compared myself to others or focused on the negative or things I could not change. My question to Pastors Bill and Brenna is how do you both deal with grief? <laughs> we always end with a question. Thank you. That was awesome. She wrote a book. She's fast on that. Man, right, I'm going to stand over here. You can here come, okay. come on up a little bit. So, that was fantastic. She does all that on her own. Oh, my gosh. I mean, so there, was, there were so many practices in there, right? <laughs> right, as well as, as perspectives, right? It's your, it's your approach around being content, thinking what you have versus what you don't have. And then, yeah, and then, and then taking walks. And you didn't talk about dancing, which I was, I was a little... She does that quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, your friends and audio... I, I, it's just amazing. So thank you. We, we are honored. So. Um, Andrea, so when I talked with you, you just, you had one line. You said, you know, contentment's not always that easy to find. Like, what's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> I have to be intentional about it every single day right. because oh. otherwise I'm reactive to what happens in right. the world. And it's, it's hard, but it's it something hard. that you have to practice every single day. And usually right when I wake up in the morning, because if my day goes well when I wake up, usually the rest of the day goes better, better. as well. Mm -hmm. So that's, mm -hmm. that's my goal. There you go. It is hard to find and it's hard to keep. Um, so tell us for you, what are one or two of your practices or what are some of the things that have helped you? And maybe feel free to share maybe one of the two things that haven't helped you or that kind of lead you away from contentment. Okay. So we've, we've been in some really dark, dark places uh, the last seven years. So it has been really hard to find contentment. And I... So her mom, uh, they, they lost her mom after a seven year battle uh, with Alzheimer's. Yeah. 
So I was expecting to take care of Tiffany in the future, but I wasn't expecting to take care of my mom and Tiffany at the same time. So my world changed overnight and it was a 180 and it was very hard and I resisted in the beginning. And I realized it takes more energy resisting than it does surrendering. <laughs> Oh, say, say that again. Say that again. <laughs> it takes more right, energy. Should, uh, to let's all write this down. Resist. So one more time. It takes more energy to resist. resist. Than and so I was working harder at resisting this new um, part of my life. A so, new chapter. So, so what does surrendering so, look like? Like, what are one or two ways that you found that help you surrender? Um, it took a lot of time and a lot of research to learn how to do things in a healthy way instead of an unhealthy way, because I tried many unhealthy things and they did not work for me. Um, although going to church and seeking God was something that I did the entire time that helped me because I did not have the strength on my own. I know I didn't do it on my own. Um, but just something simple, um, something I do religiously every morning. I'm a coffee drinker and I have to have that when I wake up. It takes a while to make it and my bone broth. So I usually don't have a lot of time in the day, but I know I have at least five minutes. So if the first five minutes of my day, I cannot look at my phone and not see different text messages that I need to answer and emails that stress me out and just go sit by myself and meditate, which I never did before. Mm. I thought it was hippy dippy. <laughs> I'm hippy dippy now. Um, and I do breathing exercises. And if it's only, if I could do 15 minutes, that's great. But if I only have five minutes, which a lot of times I do, I do my breathing exercises and I meditate and I pray during that time. Mm. And I talk to God and I just say, how can you give me strength today? Please give me patience and what I can, what can I do today to put a smile on your face? Because I know if I'm not taking care of myself, I'm not gonna take care of her well. I'm not gonna have the patience and then I feel guilty. And if she wakes me up at three in the morning for something, I don't wanna be cranky. I wanna be there for her and I wanna be there for my partner and my friends and help them through things that I know they're going through too. You are, you are a giver. It's how God made you. It's a gift. And it's a gift that, that a lot of your contentment is about how can I be grounded so that I can love better? Not just how can I be content so that I can have a better life? It's actually how I can love. It's a beautiful thing. It's one of the many wonderful things about you. Thank you. So, um, uh, Typically, we, we allow the people on stage to harass the pastors with a question. Mm -hmm. Your sister has already asked, did you have a different question? I'm, I want to know what I'm up against. Um, I kind of do. So I was thinking about things. Um, so when I went from the unhealthy things to help my stress to the healthy things, mm -hmm. um, I learned that too much of a good thing can also be bad. Mm -hmm. So when I was really stressed out and I had a day off, I would exercise for two hours a day. And because I was like, okay, I'm really stressed. This is helping me. This is what I'm going to do. And getting together with my girlfriends and my friends, I have fear of missing out. So anytime I would be invited to a lunch, a party, something, I would say yes. And now fast forward to today, I have adrenal fatigue syndrome because oh. of all of the stress and all of these things. So I learned I, I can't exercise for two hours a day, even if I want to. And I can't go from one lunch to a party and run around like a crazy person trying to do everything mm. so i have to say no to things i can't always say yes and i have to slow down and you know 
try yoga instead of running. So is, has there been something in your life that you thought was a healthy habit that you realized maybe put everything, other things out of balance? Because I do have a hard time finding balance with health, spirituality, yeah. emotional health, mental health. Okay, all right. So just so you know, this feels unfair to me that I'm I'm facing two questions and there's only one pastor today. Normally I'm a co-pastor, right? So normally there's another person up here to deflect some of the heat, but I will address that briefly. Um, you know, I yes to your question. Uh, I love I love people. I'm very extroverted. I love board games. And for those of you who played board games with me, I never will stop. I literally will, I'll just play and play. And so, and it's not healthy. And if I ever get playing online, like it's over, like I won't talk to my family or eat. So, but it's not unhealthy to play a board game and it's not unhealthy to play a board game online to have a little break or whatever. It's just very difficult for me to know when to stop. Um, so I'll, I'll leave that at there. And then um, for your question, Tiff, about how do you grieve? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, so I'm, I'm a lot different than, than you, right? So my ways grieving is probably gonna be a little different than yours. Um, for years, I prayed to God that God would help me cry because I didn't cry for ever, decades. Um, and uh, God gave me the gift of a wonderful therapist who I really don't like sometimes, and now I cry a lot. Um, but so praying that God would help me grieve actually, I think, gave me some permission to notice when I was starting to grieve and to literally. So, again, this is me. Like I had to fall into it. Like when I when I saw grief coming, because I'm, I, I can be very armored from these things. So the invitation was to fall into it, knowing that um, that Jesus I, that he makes this one promise in the Gospel of John that I've meditated on over and over because again I'm not very, haven't been very good at it. Where it, if you if you just look at the the brief promise, it's it's the worst promise in the New Testament. It says, "You will grieve." Like it's a promise, and for me, it's facing that reality. And so that when it comes to fall into it with Jesus. Um, but I don't have any, I mean, you're just, you're doing the hard work. I'm sorry you lost your mom. And, you know, that, that's me and my journey, how, I, how I'm trying to grieve, so. Would you thank God for these wonderful women? So, really appreciate you. That was so lovely, just a gift, so. Thanks, Tim.